0: Welcome to this is um, family ministry how to do family ministry without having a family ministry Um, notes and resource pages right here help yourself Um, and I wanted to talk about uh, what is family ministry um, because it's a it's a newer concept in church um, as far as a model um, I taught this session last year, and some of these notes are from that, and it, I called it last year, are you a rock star or a tour guide? So that's what is on the top of the note, and we'll explain why we use those two um, kinds of definitions with regards to you in a minute. First of all, I just want to introduce myself. Um, my name is Julie Pratt. I um, am... Is it going to come on? Yep. I've been married 21 years to my darling husband, Shelby. Um, we just cel- we celebrated our 20th this August. Um, if you know my husband, Shelby, give him two thumbs up because he took me away uh, to Europe for our 20th anniversary. I was very, very impressed and proud of him. It was a fabulous trip. He did a great job. He did that because we didn't have a honeymoon, um, when we got married, we were both in college full-time, so we went away for three days to a little cabin. I mean, I guess technically it's a honeymoon, but uh, not really. And then we went to his parents' house. So three days after married, we're sleeping at his parents'. So he made up for it finally after 20 years. Um, we, uh, my husband works in the OMN office, and we just in the last month um, planted a new church called Hope Church. Um, We just started services just in the last couple of weeks, and um, so we're on a new adventure. And so I'm the lead pastor of Hope Church. I put up here my contact information. It's also on the resource page. Um, So if you are interested in connecting to me in any of those ways or all of those ways you are more than welcome. I am on there a lot. I'm pretty quick to respond, I'll admit. So, if you, if you Facebook me or something, I'll pretty quickly get back to you. If you have questions or, you know, I just like friends, so if you want to be my friend, be my friend, okay? Um, I am generally um, known as a wild person, so I'm willing to do most anything for kids. And these have all um, had something to do with kids' ministry. So this is um, at kids' camp a couple years ago. The BGMC goal, if, as they hit each increment, something happens to a leader. So I had to get uh, in on that. This was supposed to be um, a bucket of ketchup dumped on me. Um, however, there was a little glitch. Josh, do you remember this? Were you there that year? Okay, so there was this, a minor glitch and that was that they couldn't find enough ketchup. So to get enough ketchup, I have already started. Come on in. All right, come in. That's my husband, by the way. Come in. They're all clapping for you because of our trip. Yeah, I started early, sorry. No, no, I started early because I have a lot I want to talk about. Um, the glitch was that they couldn't find enough ketchup, so they used pasta sauce. Well here's the thing at kids camp in case you don't know you end up with nicks and cuts all over because of all the activities you're doing so pasta sauce is full of garlic and salt so when they dumped that bucket over me it was like my whole body got cauterized I mean it was like "Ah!" (laughs) all those little nicks and cuts oh it burned like fire come on in it's alright we're just going ahead and talking. No, don't apologize. It's fine. Come on in. I just started talking early today. So um, that's what that's about. This one is a a human Sunday. It was a BGMC goal with my kids at church. And um, thank you. And uh, they hit the goal, and so the students got to turn me into a human ice cream Sunday, which is just ice cream and whipped cream and cherries and fudge and all of that. I failed to think about how I was going to get myself home after this in my car, so my car had to be professionally cleaned after that Sunday because I had to get into my car covered in junk. So that was enjoyable. My husband was thrilled about that one. And then this one is just one of those electric generator um, things, you know, you stick your hand on And that was just like a bucket list item. I was just determined in my lifetime that that needed to happen. And so I was at uh, the Science Center, COSI and Columbus, and there weren't many kids interested. So I was like, can I do it? So I walked past all the kids and went up there and did it. So I enjoy having fun. What I will not do is the unicycle in COSI. Have any of you been to COSI? It's the big deal that goes out over the top of everybody, and you, don't, you just are on a unicycle or nothing. Hold on to you, blah, blah, blah. I will not do that. Nor will I eat yucky food. So I do, I guess, have some limits. You're in the family ministry. Yeah, okay. you're right. Yep. All right, so I, I think I'm allowed to start now. Am I allowed to start? I have five more minutes? Well, what do we want to talk about? All right, so let's talk about cool books. I brought all kinds of cool books. You can, if you can get a chair, you can sit right here, right in front of me. I know you want to do that. There's a yeah. You can sit there. That's just my coat. Just throw it out of the way. So I brought all kinds of books. If you're at all interested, um, if you're. Um, In a current children's ministry model, not a family ministry model. We'll talk about that more. This is a great book. Um, It leads you toward family ministry, gives you a lot of ideas on how to um, uh, do children's ministry, integrating family into it. Great book. It's actually a current textbook for me um, I'm using to teach. I don't believe it is because I snagged it this morning and went, oh, I should take that one. So I don't think I wrote that one down. It's a group um, publisher book called Children's Ministry That Works good book. Excellent book, Rock Solid Kids by Larry Fowler. It's a book I would recommend you give to your parents. It's a great, great book. I think this is also not on that list. Okay, these are all good. Another great book for your parents, Talk Now and Later. Um, And I use this book. I teach a um, seminar called Tough Topics, in which we tackle the tough topics um, of parenting these days, topics like pornography, like drug addictions, like suicide, like um, the sex talk. You cannot imagine how many parents just refuse to go there. And so the easiest way for them is usually to come to a seminar and for me to say, Just do it, okay? So, but I I want you to know, I'll uh, come to your church. If that's a seminar that you would be interested in hosting at your church, I will travel just about anywhere to teach it. I feel that strongly about tackling tough topics in our homes with our kids. Um, I have to snicker, just by the way, in case you're wondering, she's interpreting. So, no worries back there. Okay, so um, I uh, just last week, I thought it was hysterical and fabulous. I, uh, we are church planting. Our services are on Saturday nights. So we go to another church on Sunday mornings. Great for our family, great for my kids. They have, you know, basically two home churches. So, but we just started our weekly services, so we've been pretty exhausted haven't been going on Sunday morning. So we went this last Sunday for the first time in probably six weeks. And pastor is preaching his whole message on sex and pornography. My daughter, 15, sitting next to me is just like wilting in her seat. And I'm like, listen to him. You better be listening to what he says. It's not that we have not had that conversation. We are very open in our home about it. We talk uh, with our kids. I have a 10-year-old and an 8-year-old. All three of them have had some age-appropriate conversation already about all of these tough topics, and this is a great book that will help your parents figure out how do they do that. If you want to do it a book-based, if you want to do a seminar-based, connect with me, okay? Yes? Yes? very attainable absolutely on a level of any parent reading yes some of these are scholarly this is scholarly sure this is scholarly because these are both textbooks um, that i used when i was in my master's program Um, and if you want to have a more academic um, conversation about right if you don't this is a great book for specifically topics yeah this is absolutely fabulous for that absolutely yep I would say do that. Rock solid, Rock solid Kids is Larry Fowler. This is another one that um, will um, be great for uh, un- unchurched because it just kind of lays out foundation about your job as a parent, and then if your heart is that you would raise your kids differently than you were or um, that they would have a spiritual foundation, here's good steps to take. So it's a good book for that too. And then there's a lot of other books that will just talk about the family ministry model that we'll get into in a little bit. Again, great, great stuff. Okay? So I started um, early on explaining that um, this is a seminar I did last year, um, and we titled it, Are You a Rock Star or a Tour Guide? And so I decided to leave it there because I think these are two descriptors of generally the two directions we often go in ministry. And so the definition of a rock star is the primary spiritual leader in the lives of the children in your church. Are you a rock star? Are you the primary spiritual leader in the lives of the children in your church? Or are you a tour guide? Are you equipping parents to be the primary spiritual leader in the lives of their kids? What role do you play? And I'm asking you to self-assess. What role do you play in your kids' lives? realistically um, many of us play the role of the rock star and that is because we are probably in the traditional model of kids ministry which is age segregated ministry where those families walk in your door on Sunday they peel off in their ten directions, they come into your room, and it's up to you to impart spiritual truths in their lives that they're supposed to take with them and apply for the rest of their week. That's the definition of a rock star, and that's the manner in which most many ministries operate. And so today I want to challenge you to flip that on its head and to take on a different role in your families lives and that is as a tour guide that you would not take upon yourself the responsibility for the spiritual life of your kids but that you would help the parents the caregivers of those kids to take on their responsibility because really that's the more biblical approach and we we i think we know that many of us theoretically we 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 may speak that, and we may preach that, but where we often fall short is we don't practice that. It doesn't flow through, trickle down, all the way to the actual implementation of our ministries. Now, I'll be honest, it's fair. We come by it fairly, because we've come through some generations where parents have become less and less involved in their kids, lives have become more and more and more busy personally we've got you know both parents working now which you know a generation or two ago was not the norm it's very much the norm Um, we have less and less involvement in church by those parents and so they feel less and less capable and so what we do we react and we say just get your kids to church just get them here and we'll do it well it isn't what the bible shows us that we should be doing. And so those of us who are in the family ministry community, we're really working hard at, at coming back to those people and saying, we get it. You know, I'm a product of that generation. I, I'm an, a, you know raised in an age segregated. You know, I get it. Um, however, we don't have to keep doing it that way. And really, we shouldn't keep doing it that way. And so we want to just push that out there and say, consider, reimagine, how could you do this in your church to change and push your people toward the biblical model of ministry so what is family ministry we have a we have a bit of a definition here family ministry is defined as an effort to synchronize church leaders and parents around a master plan to build faith and character in their sons and daughters so that that Innately says or inherently says that the church and the parents both know that master plan and we're all working together toward that end Right. We're partnering together So our role speaking as leaders in kids ministry our role is not to do ministry programs for kids or for families, but to do redemptive ministry to with and through families Okay, Not doing programming for families, for kids, but looking at redemptive ministry to, with, and through your families. If you begin to make decisions through that lens, what you will find is your entire program, your entire department, your entire ministry will change. Okay, Because you are suddenly doing things differently because you have ultimately a completely different purpose in that church, okay? I have a video that I want to show you that I feel like um, it really well describes this idea of family ministry. I do want to put a caveat on the front end of it. It is a video created by one of many ministries and curriculums available that are um, promoters of the family ministry model. It's put out by what's called as Orange. If you've ever heard of Orange, it's one option among many. However, this video very well explains uh, the family ministry model and how it is different from our traditional kids ministries, um, student ministries, etc. Okay. Now, I have to say, uh, we couldn't get it to plug into the TV for volume, so y- It'll be really loud for you too (laughs) and you'll just have to just pay attention. But I think you'll be able to hear it, so let's go for it. Actually I think there's no words. It's just reading. Think orange. Think uh, from a family ministry mindset. Now, I could spend the whole time just promoting, discussing, uh, picking apart what this looks like, um, but that's not what this particular session is about. So if you want to further understand family ministry, please email me. Um, you could imagine I have a lot to say. Um, but I really I feel so passionate about this. And so if you want to understand it more, um, I would love to start a conversation with you. But for the basis of today's, I want to just lay that as a foundation, that what we're saying here is um, family ministry is, in my opinion, a more um, appropriate, more biblical, more um, uh, helpful, and um, it's the best way to do it. It's just the best way to do it, okay? So, however, I recognize that you may not necessarily be the lead pastors in your settings, which means you don't necessarily have the ability to change your setting or to change your structure. So today's based um, on the idea that you don't have necessarily the authority, the power, whatever, to actually change the structure in your ministry setting. And I would want to just say, if that's the case, you can still do family ministry absolutely and so that's what this is about now moving forward we've laid the baseline of the idea that we're actually uh, more about partnering with parents than ministering to kids in fact when i'm asked or i'm introduced as a kids pastor i almost always say actually i'm a family pastor it's not really the same i'd love to tell you about it and usually they're like oh well what's that well and away i go Um, so that's our baseline understanding for this session okay so I want to give you some primary principles, because if you're a kids pastor, if you're a kids leader, these principles absolutely can be integrated into whatever you're doing, okay? And you would recognize them, because they're going to show up. All of us in the family ministry community, this is our, like our baseline understanding, and you just saw most of them uh, in that video, and that is nothing is more important than someone's relationship with God baseline i would say across the board that's how we all feel right no one has more potential to influence a child's relationship with god than a parent the video made the point that as children's leaders in church we have about 40 hours a year with kids and that used to be more than that because we had sunday morning we had sunday night we had wednesday night almost all of that is gone then you add in the element of um, children in shared custody arrangements or just children of families who don't opt to go to church every single Sunday and you whittle it down to an average of 40 hours. Well, you know how we do averages. That means there are plenty lower than that and there are a few higher than that, which brings us to 40. So realistically, as a church, we have 40 hours of exposure to those kids versus a parent who in a single year will have approximately 3,000 hours with those kids they have more potential to influence um, their child's relationship with God well conversely no one has more potential to influence the parent than the church they've allowed us into their lives because they have a conviction they have a baseline need that gives us the open door to influence them the church's potential to influence a child dramatically increases when it partners with a parent. Okay? These are our baseline convictions um, in family ministry. The parent's potential to influence a child dramatically increases when that parent partners with a church. And so what I always say when I have these conversations... Kids' ministry, children's ministry, student ministry is family ministry. And family ministry is kids' children's student ministry. They are the same. Now, I would stop and make a specific point here, and that is this. In the family ministry model, when we say kids' ministry, we are talking birth through college. Through young adult before they leave the home, we actually don't differentiate youth ministry um, from kids ministry. They're all kids. They're all still in the home being actively parented, and so when we use the word as a family um, ministry, kids ministry, we're not talking like what maybe we're used to in the you know birth through elementary, um, and then expecting you to go to a youth pastor for the student ministry, middle school and high school. We're talking about that whole age span. So as a family pastor, we're thinking for the length of time that child is in your home and you are parenting them. Help us influence you through every phase of that um, upbringing. Okay. So I think it would be important to make that clarification. So we want to move into the seven vital areas in which you can strategically invest yourself. If you are uh, in an age-segregated model, um, and I just said to you, you can do family ministry, there's some areas that I I suggest that you invest your time, your energy, if you have money, if your department has something to spend, maybe, um, that would be where you would want to invest it, okay? So, the first area I would say for you to invest yourself is educating yourself, In order to understand what parents uh, and families need from you, from the church, you've got to understand a few other things first. You need to understand the vision, the position of your church leadership. Make sure that uh, you keep your ministry aligned with your lead pastor. Do not ever take yourself out on an island and run your own program that does not integrate into the whole church. You don't do those families any good by doing that. So I would always, always, always say, whatever you dream of for your families, make certain you go to your lead pastor and say, how do you feel about this? How do you feel it aligns with where you believe? Our whole church is uh, going We should, what we should be doing. Take some time and answer the question, what's happening in your ministry right now that you could build upon? What's taking place that already is is in some form family ministry, and how, could you, how can you expand it? How can you grow it? How can you um, further equip them? Learn more about the biblical role of parents and the role of church in a child's life. Make sure you really have a handle on what the Old Testament and the New Testament says about our jobs as parents, our jobs as um, spiritual leaders in families' lives, because it's spoken about both in the Old and the New Testament. The Old Testament talks very much about the parents as the primary spiritual leader. The New Testament talks about the role of the church in equipping and um, resourcing those. That's why we talk about a partnership, because that's the biblical model. We are needing to partner together. But make sure you really know that, because you will want to and will need to be able to articulate that to others. You will need to be able to explain how Deuteronomy talks about your role as a parent. And in Timothy, it talks about the role of the church. And explain to them, this isn't just some newfangled idea. This is coming straight from the Bible. Okay? To do that, read, 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 read. Okay? There's all kinds of resources online. There's all kinds of books. I brought a bunch of them. There is on your resource list a number of book suggestions. Many of these are on that list. If you are um, not a reader, there are videos galore. This is just one. If you're on a a system called Right Now Media, there's a a huge um, library of uh, training videos that will help you um, and that you can use to to train your people too. Um, So educate yourself, okay? Okay. Second, cast this vision for investing in parents and families. Don't expect anything to happen with parents and families if there isn't really a vision. And I would say this even if it's a vision currently only held within children's ministry or youth ministry. Cast it anyway. Cast it among your core leaders. Cast it to your other staff. Cast it to your senior leadership and keep doing that. Keep, keep, keep talking about it. I just got the, your computer's about to stop. So I didn't realize that it was so low. Thank you. So cast that vision, okay? Talk about it. Talk about it. Talk about it. Look at your, um, your group of volunteers. Look at your staff. What do their job descriptions look like? <laughs> do they have job descriptions? <laughs> do you have job descriptions for your nursery director and your science school teachers? Good, good, good. So make sure those uh, job descriptions exist first. If they don't, Take some time to write some job descriptions and make sure that within them they talk about how um, they're not just working with kids, but that they're working with parents. Use that verbiage in the job description that you're working with parents. Okay? Because that'll change their mindset from um, my responsibility and my priority is the kids to my responsibility and my priority is to these parents and how I'm helping them raising their kids. Okay? Um, Elevate the importance of the parent's role intentionally focus upon um, the role of parents now how can you do that there's a number of ways you can do sermon series if you still have sunday night services Um, ask if you can come and teach the sunday night service Um, i'd I'd be willing to bet your pastor would be like yes yes you can because we're all exhausted after sunday morning so if you want to do that you betcha you know be um, intentionable uh, intentionable about finding ways to communicate the role of parents this can this can take a number of forms one of the things that we did regularly was we did um, roundtable discussions we did uh, lunchtime um, chats where after church on Sunday we would just say hey stay we'll feed your family your kids will go into some childcare and we'll have some time and we'll talk and make them theme oriented or you know specific topic oriented and do them consistently so i wrote in here it can be things about family dynamics about communication about forgiveness understanding love and then come back to those often okay you can use family services if you have sunday nights you can do it on sunday mornings but sunday nights is often when that takes place if you still have it and Don't have kids' ministries on Sunday nights. That's like a rock-your-boat concept. I just want you to know. Don't do any kid ministries on those. Just let the kids go into the service with their parents. Come what may, no matter how noisy it gets. Because what is happening, again, this is one of those um, understandings among us statistically is, They are in that experience. It's like an immersion experience for them. They're in worship. They're experiencing worship. They're seeing mom and dad worshiping. I mean, how many of our kids never actually see their parents worship God openly, raise hands and praise the Lord? Because they're gone in their age-segregated, age-appropriate experience. They need to come into the service and see their mom, their dad, their caregiver praising the Lord. They need to, again, because that parent has that influence, that's one of the places they should be influencing their kids. Even if they're good in doing family devotions at home, that doesn't necessarily involve a praise the Lord experience. They need to see it happening in service. They need to be allowed to be a part of the whole church community. We talk a lot about when we send our kids off to children's church or to Sunday school and they don't come into the main service, they don't actually feel as if they're a part of the larger life cycle of your church. They actually don't believe that they're a part of this church. They're a part of whatever the name of your kids' ministry is. If you say, what church do you go to, sometimes they'll answer by naming their children's church name not their greater church, because they have not been brought in and integrated and don't recognize that they're a part of that larger church. Find ways to get them into the main service. Do your parent round tables. How many of you do parent round tables? Giving your parents opportunity to give you feedback. I would suggest at least once a year that you have a parent round table. And you be strategic. Absolutely be strategic in who you invite to that. I wouldn't say throw open the barn doors necessarily because it could turn into a and that's not constructive. But be strategic. Invite your single parents. Invite your uh, culturally diverse parents. Invite your economics. You got to be aware what a wealthy parent needs and what a, um, a poor parent needs is not the same but you want to help them, you want to resource them both, so invite them. Be strategic. Bring them around the table and then allow them to talk. Ask some pointed questions and hear what they offer back to you and then take it and apply it. Use it to change your approach and your resourcing and your equipping because you may be resourcing for a need they don't have and so they're not tapping it because they're like, "Well, I don't, I don't really need that. Um, maybe what they do need is how to pray with your kid or how to do devotions with your kid or um, how to talk about the tough topics with your kid. But but you may not know that because you haven't provided a platform or a place for them to say that to you. And they're not going to necessarily walk up when they're picking up the kids from the children's church and be like, hey, yeah, so I would love to talk about how to talk to my kids about pornography. Can you think we could do that sometime? I mean, really, are they going to do that then? No. So bring them around a the table where they feel safe, they feel like you've said anything you say, even if it's a I dislike this program, I dislike how it functions and I don't want my kid in it, if that's what they want to feedback on, allow them to do it in a healthy environment and take that assessment and say, all right, what do I do with this information, okay? and continue that conversation with that parent. If a parent has that strong of an opinion, they're probably a great parent to have alongside of you, because they might have some really... they've thought about it, okay? It might just be that it's just so much work, and we don't have time for the amount of work that that teacher thinks that my kid should come home with every week. Well, that's valid, so let's talk about that, okay? Think holistically, okay? Regularly ask the question, how can whole families become involved in this? How can whole families participate in this? And if you can't come up with a single answer, that's a good time for you to consider whether it should be continued. Maybe it should, but maybe it needs to be tweaked. Maybe it needs to... kind of come up with a different purpose what's the point of this program exactly Um, and make certain that you can answer that question look at what's happening in all of the age groups coordinate kids ministry efforts with Sunday services with small groups with classes seminars etc this would be um, one of my favorite things and I'll tell you we're not doing it at our church yet but it's my goal is that what I decide to preach in the main service trickles down through all of my ministries, and that we're all discussing the same concepts at our age-appropriate level. So maybe I decide I'm going to talk about James. And so the other groups all pick that up, find age-appropriate lessons from that, and we're we're all moving in the same arena together. And imagine how if we then took that and then into our small groups in the home through the week and and then into, I don't know, Royal Rangers and Girls Ministries, and they're there on Wednesday night talking about it. And then in the midst of that, we have a whole other seminar, and we're all just in that arena. Imagine how, when they get home, what they're talking about. Well, today I talked about, oh, so did I. Well, so did I. And then we were in small group last week, and we talked about the, and so did we, and da da, da 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 Just imagine that ripple effect. Have you ever heard of the pebble effect? Put a little pebble in the water and watch how it just ripples out. That's a great pebble effect experience. When you decide across all of your platforms or all of your departments, however you want to say it, that you're going to all be aligned, you're all going to do it. Now, there are churches who do that year in and year out. They are always aligned. Maybe that's more than you can tackle. But maybe go ahead and take um, a six-week series or a four-week series and say, as a church staff, can we do this all together? And um, even doing that begins a process in your church. Ask your team to consider working together to coordinate the content so they're all okay. So they're all studying the same and in, in similar passages. Okay, you can use um, some pre-made. There are certainly some. The resource list has that, um, and if you go and look, it'll it indicates that. Plan big enough for big church Sundays. That's what we would call them. Regularly planned Sundays when families are in main service worshiping together. This is particularly if you don't have Sunday night services. You've got to find a way. You've got to create that Sunday, that's appropriate for those kids to be there. Um, And I would always say if that's going to happen, then go ahead and let them be a part of what's happening in that service. Let them participate in leading worship. Let them work with the ushers or be the ushers if you trust them not to stick their hands in the offering bag. Um, Let them um, run your cafe. If you have a cafe, let them Work there with an adult running the cafe. Let them um, open and, you know, greet people at the door. Find ways, allow them to be, again, a part of the greater community of church. I spent uh, last session talking about um, Boys and Girls Missionary (coughs) Challenge, missions education with kids. And one of the points I made is that we um, understand that kids' foundational core doctrines and practice of their faith is established by the time they're 10 years old. And so, if that's the case, then we need to get them in ministry, get them serving in their church and outside of their church before they're 10 years old, so that it's in their DNA, that they understand this is just an outflow of my faith. That also comes from the conviction that um, there are no junior Christians. As soon as any person accepts Jesus as the leader of their life, they have equal standing before the Father that also means they have equal obligation that great commission applies to them just like it applies to you and me. So these big enough for big church Sundays have greater um, importance than just, ah, let's give our crew a break, which you need to do. You absolutely should value your team and give them breaks sometimes. But if that's, you know, maybe the catalyst to your big enough for big church is we need to give them a break, Take it a step further and say, now what are we going to do with our kids and our families? How can we involve the whole family in this, okay? Allowing your kids to serve from very early is one of the best things that can happen for them long-term with their faith and the practice of it, okay? Number four, build relationships. Ministry always, always, always happens best In the context of relationships. (coughs) This is true with ministry to parents as families. So be intentional. Okay? How do you do that? Model what relational ministry looks like. Don't detach yourself. Establish relationships with them. Show them that you want to have a relationship with them. That you want to be their friend. That you care about them. That you care about their kids. Model relational ministry, okay? Equip your team to do the same. Remember um, that because their job description says we're partnering with parents, so how do we partner with parents? How is a parent going to be willing to um, allow me to help them except that we encourage them to model relationship building? That means put someone at the door when that kid is getting checked in And when that person says, so, how was your week? And the parent says, awful. Make sure that person is ready to catch that cue and to immediately respond. Don't be like, okay, well, we'll see you after church and shuttle their kids in. We've lost an opportunity right there, right? Help them to think relationally because that's the moment at which it happens. That's the moment at which they demonstrate that they care that they are being relational. I'm partnering with you as much as I'm ministering your kid. Hey, Johnny, go ahead and go on in. So tell me about your week. Why why was it awful? What happened? Be willing. Teach your people to be willing to hang out and to be relational. Okay? Create opportunities beyond service time for relationships. Um, Even more now that we are with fewer services per week, fewer church events per week, um, you've got to create those times. We don't really get to build relationships on a Sunday morning because they're coming in to Sunday school and then rotating the children's church then picking up those kids and dashing off because they're starving and they're getting close hovering close to the terror um kid you know so you don't get to linger uh like we used to man i remember staying at the church on sunday nights for hours after church now i was a pk so some of that was i didn't have a choice But some of that was just because we are all hanging out talking, being together. And that's not happening so much anymore. So we've got to create those opportunities. So what does that look like? Potlucks for families. Sending um, what we call family matter lunches, quarterly open houses. Have you ever thought about doing an open house at your church? We do them at school. Why don't we do them at church? Say, hey, we're here. We're going to let you come into any of these rooms. We'd love to have you come and talk to us. Let's hang out. Let's be together. Do you have questions? This is a perfect time to come and talk to us. Family game night. This is so popular right now. Board games are so popular and yet they're not happening at home. So let's open up the church. Let's say, hey, bring your whole family. What have you got? You've got you know, what is that, pie-in-the-face game, you know, with the whipped cream, and every kid loves to do that to their parent. So, hey, come on, be ready to get whipped cream in the face. Bring your sorry game. Bring your your hungry hippo game. Bring your monopoly. Do not bring monopoly. (laughs) It never ends. Oh, here's another one that never ends. Settlers of Catan. Hate it! It never ends. (laughs) Whatever game you like, bring it and just play together. You're helping build relationships. They're doing it with their kids. You're modeling how to have relationship with your kids. I bet you they've not sat down at home, a lot of them. There are definitely families that are this way. But they're not sitting down at home and playing. They might have that game on their shelf. They aren't necessarily sitting down together as a family. So create the opportunity for them. And then they're doing it together with other families, with you. They're just being more relational. Family dinner night. Create um, initiatives that encourage uh, your family to participate in family strengthening initiatives. Now this is different. This isn't come to the church. This is do this at your home, and you put some structure to it. So we're all about hashtagging right now, okay? Hashtag, you know, the number sign for those of you who aren't aren't social media savvy. We hashtag things, okay? So decide we're going to do, there's some on here, family date night, okay? We'll tail our entire church body, look, for the next two months, We want you once a week, every week, to do a family date night. And here's what we want you to do. We want you to take a picture of yourself, put it on your social media, hashtag it, family date night, and we're going to share some of your pictures during church on Sunday. Well, you will not believe how many people are like, oh, that sounds fun, let's do it. And all of a sudden, you've created some type of a formalized, method to help them be together as a family and they get so creative because it just feels like it's this prescribed length of time okay i can do that as a mom you know i'm i'm the event planner ladies are you the event planner i mean the husband's like okay i'll do it (laughs) whatever just let me know where to be and when right so but i'm like okay i can do that i can figure out you know, however many weeks worth of whatever, okay, or family dinner night, this is when I saw a church do, and the first time I read it, I was like, huh, but what they said to their families was, make a homemade dinner at least once a week, and sit down together, take a picture of yourself, hashtag at family dinner night, and then put your phones on a bucket on the other table, and I was like, well, duh, but you know how many families never eat dinner together as a family? More do not than do. And so it turned in, I watched, I'm not even attending that church, but I watched, I started going back and repeatedly looking, clicking on the hashtag, and I'm telling you, I mean, like, it seemed like the entire church was participating, and I thought, that is genius. Well, the other thing they did is they, it's a larger church, they had a beautiful table um, and chair set that they gifted to one of the families at the end of that series. So maybe you're in a position that you could do that. They put this gorgeous... I mean, I was like, I wish I lived there, you know? They had this gorgeous table set. It was a very well-built Amish wood farmhouse table, bench chair set that sat on the platform, and they talked about it every week, and at the end of that stretch of time... One of the families got gifted with it. Just another idea. But in doing that, you're helping build relationships, okay? Five, connect what's happening in the church with what's happening at home. We really need to get more creative about getting uh, all of what's happening at church into our homes and helping to have, um, helping your parents to have conversations about it. So that is um, up to the parents ultimately, but they often don't know what to do. They may, might say, So, what'd you talk about in church today? And what does every kid say? Nothing. Nothing. Or I don't know. Or Jesus. Yeah. Or the Bible. And you're like, Okay, take it a step further, you know? They, the kid doesn't necessarily know. They heard it, they ingested it, but they don't necessarily know how to get it back. So we gotta help parents know what to ask, the right questions, and the leading questions, and the you know two steps, and probably, as in definitely, we should give it to them so they already know the answer, because then they can say, well, was it about um, Jesus? Maybe in the garden. Oh, yeah, 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 and he prayed, and he prayed, yeah, and what happened, right, so that parent already knows they're able to help, but then we have to teach them not to just say, so you talked about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, right, uh-huh, what did you talk about, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, okay. Okay. You know, so we also have to teach them how to ask those questions well so that it does create conversation. And remember, conversation is where the most significant moments in a parent-child relationship happens. It's the simple conversations that have the lifelong influence. That's what, when it talks about in Deuteronomy, about as you're coming and as you're going, as you go about your day, as you rise, as you go to bed, it's saying... Those strategic, consistent, simple conversations are what will impact your kids. Their their lives, their decisions, their thought processes, their values come out of those conversations. So let's help them to do it well. So here's some creative ways to get what's happening in your service home uh, to your families, okay? These are all things I've seen done or have done myself, okay? Refrigerator magnets. If you have the ability to create a monthly refrigerator maggot with your big idea from each week, put it on a magnet, send it home the first week of the series, and tell your parents, here's what we're talking about each week. Every time you open the door, say, hey, so God is whatever the big idea is, okay? Yeah, the kid will be like, yeah, we talked about that on Sunday. Include the verse. And then you can just say, hey, remember the verse? And they'll say it again and again and again and again and again. Okay? Refrigerator matters. God time cards. This is something that we did. You'll be surprised how much the kids get into it. It's um, conversation starters for parents. It just says, we talked about. Here are some questions you can ask in your week. Here's uh, some things you can do to sit down together as a family and have a more formal, if you will. I don't like the word formal conversation but a more structured intentional conversation God time cards are so easy make sure that they're attractive make sure that they're not handwritten and photocopied make sure that it's in a form that your parents will actually use and not just chuck in the trash what we've decided to do is we don't send any paper home from our service it's emailed to our parents on Monday every Monday they get a, a Hope Kids email it's got the god time card it's this week we talked about and it's got a hey here's another parenting resource for you okay so we've put some resources into the hands they're getting it every week make it available online provide table tents that's really a cool idea if you are uh, artistic i am not Um, You can turn your series into a table tent where it can be folded as as a square or it can be folded as a triangle and send it home to your parents and say, Hey, just put this together. Just leave that on the middle of your table. And every time you're at the table for whatever, for breakfast, whatever, it's right there in front of you. All you gotta do is you just gotta read this right here. That's all you have to do. And you'll be surprised. It'll be that easy that they'll be like, Okay, I can do that. Okay? Think about creative ways. Um, I love this. Create music playlists and connect your parents to it so that they can play the songs and the worship from Sunday at home. So there's a million ways you can do that. You, if you're a Spotify user, just make a Spotify playlist and send them a link. If you're a, if you're a YouTube user, put all the worship videos in a YouTube playlist. Send your parents a link. Maybe you want to put that actually on a CD. You need to make sure you have appropriate permissions. But there are definitely some curriculums that actually say, hey, here it is. You have permission to make CDs of this for your families. Send it home. Then the kids will be singing it till you're all sick of it. They will do it. But it's the parents that will know the songs then. Again, you've integrated what's happening at church with with your home. Okay? Text bomb. Send a text bomb to your families. Do any of you use those services that will help you to do a a group text without doing the text like, all right, there's the first family. Here's the second family. Have you ever used any of those services? There are services available where you just type the text once, and you say, this is the group I want it to get out to, and it will just send it out like, like in our days the phone tree. It's the text version of that, okay? And there's an example of one I found in here from um, uh, last year, a text scavenger hunt. There was a um, snow day. All the kids in a a church were home, and that kid's pastor had this brilliant idea to do a scavenger hunt. So she sent a text bomb out and said, look, uh, old man winter's not done with us, and uh, so I've got an interactive game for you on Sunday because we may not have church. She did this in lieu of them having church because it got canceled, okay? So she said, here's how it's going to work. Get in on the fun, text me back saying, we're in, give me your name. That way they won't continue to get the text, okay? Then on Sunday, have your phone handy each hour starting at 9 a.m. I'm going to send you a, this is a church that celebrates Lenten, so a Lenten, quote, clue for your kids to find in your house. There's a total of 10. So this game will end at 7 p.m. Sunday night. I am so excited. I'm going to use this. I just want you to know. I would love to do this. Okay? Um, and then for each child that brings a completed treasure hunt to me the next time I see them, we we'll be given a small prize, and they'll get their name on the Wall of Fame. You need to be present with younger children as you do this because there will be scripture verses to read, okay? So if you see this in your notes, it's in the resources page. Right behind it are the clues that she sent. Um, And it's great. It's just a lot of fun, okay? Neat, creative ideas, ways to get it into the home right there, okay? Number six. Equip parents. You don't have a family ministry if you're not equipping parents because, of course, that is one of our foundational values, that we are there to equip parents. So if children's ministry is family ministry and family ministry is children's ministry, it should be happening no matter what your uh, ministry is modeled after, no matter what it is called, okay? Okay. So quickly in here it says, Speak the language of the vision based on real defined vision for reaching and equipping parents. That means speak it. Let it be a part of your narrative, of your conversations regularly. Whatever it is you're doing, consistently speak to that as, Well, you know, I'm here for you. I want to help you. I want to train you. What do you need from me so that you can do it better in your home? You're speaking the language of equipping parents. Okay? Create parent mentoring or small group opportunities. I love this, and I would encourage you to do this because there are, again, the pebble effect of this is huge. Connect parents of older kids with parents of younger kids. Help establish a mentoring relationship with them, that they are doing life together, but they have the understanding that the parent of the older kid is there to mentor the parents of the younger kids and to say, Yes, I remember how awful it was to go through potty training. However, they're sitting on the toilet for 30 minutes straight. Why don't you put the CD of music in and sing your songs while they're just stuck on the toilet? I mean, how many potty training parents are thinking about listening to worship music in that moment, right? I sure wasn't. But a mentoring parent will say, Hey, you know, let's make good use of that time. And a, and a potty training parent will be like... Ugh, That's brilliant, okay? Valuable relationships, valuable mentoring. Prayer, having another person who has said, I am praying with you. When we get into the tough times of parenting, having somebody who is aware, who's intimately aware, because they have to be willing to be vulnerable. But if they're intimately aware, you feel, as a young parent especially, but it can go the other direction as well, you feel... Equipped, you feel resources, you feel valued, you feel understood, you feel heard when there's someone there saying, I'm walking this with you, I'm not walking away. And stick it out with them. And you have helped then to resource and equip that parent by doing that, by helping intentionally make that happen. Um, Be sure to offer varied and regular equipping opportunities. E-newsletters, posting tips on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest some young parents Pinterest is the only platform that they're on be aware of that okay be aware of where your parents are interacting and use it for your equipping purposes if the only platform they're on is Pinterest create a Pinterest parenting board and send that link to all your people and say here you go here's all kinds of great tools for you what are you needing what are you looking for I bet I have that on my Pinterest board okay Conduct classes to train parents to talk about their kids. I just told you about that. Provide opportunities for your families to serve together. Encourage them to do it together. This Christmas Eve, I I told you we're planting a church, and we've been attending another church. We went to that church we've been attending, and we said the Prats are going to run your Christmas Eve kids' ministry. So you don't have to have any of your actual church people um, stuck in there. Because, you know, Christmas Eve working is not always fun, right? So we said, you got three services. We got three um, things ready for your team. And we served together. That blessed that church. I'm telling you what, it blessed my family, too. We loved doing it together. I loved seeing my 8-year-old and my 10-year-old teaching kids and loving babies and saying, hey, Mom... I think this one needs a changey, you know? (laughs) But it was fun, and we laughed hysterically, because this one kid literally blew out his diaper. The service was an hour, 10 minutes long, blew out his diaper four times, and I was like, all right, I'm done, you know? That's when you're like, here you go, have a great Christmas, you know? But we did it together as a family, and we still giggle about that kid. He was so cute. He just couldn't contain himself. (laughs) So... But find ways for our families to do it together. Consider a missions trip that is a, um, specifically geared for a whole family to travel together. You know, sometimes we don't ever offer opportunities like that. We say mom and dad can go. We say teenagers, you can go. But we don't say... We want this to be something where you come as a family. And you're not going to necessarily turn them away if they say, well, we can't all come, but you communicate the intent of this is that we as an entire family are serving together, okay? Um, I'm dying to do this with my whole family. We're just not there yet. I can't wait till we get there, okay? Um, Do service projects in the community. If maybe you are not in a position to do... um, you know, a missions trip, a full-on missions trip, find ways that together as a family they're serving. I wrote on the thing, uh, Share Your Lunch. This is a church in uh, North Little Rock that does a... uh, food initiative for a food pantry and as a church uh, the families work they sign up for times and they come together as a full family to do the various things related to that share your lunch is simply a, a, a method to helping resource and and supply the local food pantry and so each week there's a okay everybody Share your mac and cheese. And, of course, the idea is you're going to go to the grocery store and buy boxes of mac and cheese. But the intent is bring the family to the grocery store, buy them together, bring it to church, and then sign up and go help us distribute this to the um, various pantries. But all of it intending to be done as whole families. That's doable. We could do that as a whole family. There's a way to keep the whole family involved. Okay? Seven, intentionally involve parents. Remember, this goes back to point number three, modeling what relational ministry looks like. Involve parents in your ministry teams, specifically husband and wife teams. Put them on on something together. There's so much value in that. Um, We don't have enough men involved in family ministry as a rule. And so we want to encourage these men to come. Maybe it's easier for them to come alongside with their spouse. Um, Or maybe it's you recognize this is a project, this is a woodworking project. Hey, can the two of you come and help us with this very specific project that's for the next three weeks? Well, the wife may not be, I'm not a woodworker. However, okay, so if he does the woodwork, would you do this portion? Would you interact with the kids? They're serving together. Your kids are seeing them serve together. Be creative, be wise. The value of kids seeing men in ministry is out of the roof. And I'm sorry, ladies, it it may seem like it's devaluing us, but they see us in service all the time. It's the nature of who we are. If we're moms, if we're, we're in kids' ministry, they see us serving. The impact of seeing a man serving changes the landscape completely. Work to get husband and wife teams. Particularly if you're in a dynamic that is um, a lot of single parents, is inner city. There's a whole nother dynamic there to the nurturing aspect for those kids. They need to see and receive healthy nurturing from those. Um, Here's one. When parents bring a child to me and ask me to lead them to Christ, I explain to them the joyous privilege that they get to have by leading their own children to Christ. I am so thrilled that I've had the opportunity to lead all three of my kids to the Lord. Now, I was just talking this week to my middle girl. I was like, do you remember? She goes, "Uh uh-huh, I remember. We were in the van driving somewhere, and from the back seat, this little voice goes, Mama, I think I need to ask Jesus to be the leader of my life. Okay, driving, I start sobbing. I'm supposed to be getting us somewhere, and from the back seat, I'm trying to lead my kid in the, in the prayer of salvation, you know. I mean, but it, she remembers it. She actually was like, yeah, you were crying like crazy. And I was like, it's good, it's such a big deal, you know. It is, but, man, it's something that we will talk about all the time, all through the years. We'll come back to that again and again. It was that moment of salvation for her. That's significant. It was a moment of bonding for us too, and that's significant. Allow your parents that privilege. Don't take that from them. If a kid communicates that that's where they are, that they're ready, A, they are old enough remembering what we said. They have equal standing before the Lord. But say, you know what? When mom or dad comes, let's talk with them. And then when that parent comes, say, exciting stuff. Your child wants to ask Jesus into their heart. You want to do it? Let's do it right here. And you're going to have to probably lead that parent in that prayer. You're going to have to help them. But let that parent be the one who does that with their child. Resource and equip those parents. And man, how that will change them. Because then they're going to be like, I just led my kids to the Lord. That changes. That sets off something in them. That triggers something of the recognition, I can do this, I can do this, okay? Um, Create a new Christians class, discipleship class, specifically for children. It's especially effective at fifth grade. This is a point at which they're cognitively ready. Make sure that that parent comes to the class with their child. Oftentimes, because you're going through core doctrines, oftentimes those parents don't actually know the core doctrines either. So it's an opportunity to make sure those parents understand the foundations of their faith and that together they've gone through this experience. Again, there's bonding, there's, there's education of all of them together. It's going into their homes, okay? This is one of my favorite things. We involve parents in the water baptism of their kids. They get into the baptism tank with their kid. They're the one who dunks their child. As the spiritual leader of their home, I've had people say, but I'm not allowed to do that. I'm not a pastor. You are the spiritual leader of this child, and you have the spiritual authority to baptize your child. I'm standing in the tank with you. I'm here for you. I'm holding your hands. You are the one baptizing your kid, okay? And, again, the value of that is amazing. It's that same thing as when they get to lead their kids to the Lord, okay? Okay? So the question is, is it possible to do family ministry without having a family ministry? Absolutely. Even if the model doesn't necessarily on paper look like what we consider a family ministry, it is absolutely possible. It's absolutely um, within your ability to stay aligned with your whole ministry. It's um It is possible to um, do it without ending up in an island or having a silo ministry. And please, please, please do not do that. There is no value in running a silo ministry. Make sure that whatever you do, that you are always circling around to your lead pastor. You're always circling around to your other staff pastors. You're always circling around to all of your volunteers and your workers and your team and that we're all having this conversation about partnering. We are partnering in this kingdom work. We are doing this together as a team because we believe in families. I'll make one last point, and this is always a conversation that I have. What if we have a child whose parents do not believe, do not come to church? In the family ministry world, we call them spiritual orphans. And what does the Bible talk about widows and orphans? It's our job. It's our job to become the one that partners with those kids. Now, I will tell you, my mom is the direct result of that. So I know It's possible. This family ministry does not exclude that whole demographic. My mom and my dad were both raised in highly dysfunctional families. My dad's family went to church but didn't necessarily have faith. My mom's family had nothing to do with church. But there was a lady who took an interest in my mom who went to my grandmother, and, I, you know, sometimes this blows my mind, but said, I'd like to bring all of your kids, my mom has siblings, to church. My mom was the only one who wanted to go. And so my grandmother said, that's fine, but I'm not getting up and taking care of her. So I'll leave our front door unlocked. You're welcome to come in and get her. So every Sunday, that lady showed up at my mom's house, let herself into my grandparents' house, got my mom out of bed, dressed, took her to church. The net result of that, my mom, not only is she serving the Lord, but she's in full-time ministry. She spent a lifetime in ministry because somebody became her spiritual parent. If you can stop and think for a moment about how that changed the history for this family. What if that person hadn't put an investment into my mom? I would not be here probably because my mom met my dad at church from a family who wasn't serving the Lord really they just were showing up at church they rescued each other they determined that they would change the history of their family together they determined that they would walk away from dysfunction and brokenness and they took my sister and I and moved us to the other side of the country and they said we from this point forward we put our foot down we will not repeat the sins of the past. My sister and I don't know a dysfunctional family. We don't know brokenness. We don't know abuse. We know healthy moms and dads. We know healthy home life. It was hard. We were dirt poor. We were PKs. We slept in the pews. We had people give us our clothes for years and years on end because my parents couldn't afford it. Absolutely. Absolutely but we are both serving the Lord full-time in ministry. My sister's married to a pastor too because one woman said to my mom, I'm going to be your spiritual parent if they're not going to do it. Family ministry can work across the board. It can work no matter what dynamic you're in, no matter what you look at, single parent, inner city, country, solid families, crazy families, drug-addictive families, whatever your dynamic is, family ministry works in that setting. And I can stand here and say, I am a result of that. So I want to just push you. I want to propel you. I want to get behind you and stick my foot on your back end and say, do family ministry, okay? Because it will change generations as a result of that decision. I want to pray over you. Can I do that? I know that's probably not what we're doing. I don't know what we're doing. I want to pray (laughs) over you. I also want, I have a um, box that I'm going to give away here in just a minute, but let me pray. Father God, I thank you for this group of people, Lord, who have come to this day and who have said, I want to invest in the opportunity to grow to be able to be better, to do things better for your purposes, for kingdom purposes, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that as they walk out of this room, as they walk away from this day and they go back to all of their um, places of influence, all of their church settings, Lord, I pray that they would see an impact from the things they're seeing, learning, um, hearing, Lord, that they'll take it to heart, that they'll evaluate how it applies in their setting, Lord, and that the consequence of that is ministry, Um, that has uh, impact beyond uh, where it was before they walked in here today. I pray for blessings over each of them, Lord. God, you know as they're sitting here what the needs are outside of this room, Lord. If they need your financial provision, I pray today, Lord, that you would provide that in their lives. Lord, if they need healing, I pray for your healing touch on their bodies right now. Lord, if they have um, anxiety, if they have things that are weighing them down, Lord, I pray that that baggage would just fall off of them right now, Lord. That they would remember, Lord, that you are faithful, Lord. That you are providing for them. That you see that you know already what that is, Lord, that they would walk out of here knowing, Lord, that you are already at work in their lives. I pray for families all over this uh, United States, all over Ohio, God, that because these people sat in this room, Lord, that they caught a fire and they took it home, that families would be changed because of their work, their efforts, their desire to do good things. I thank you, Lord, for a privilege to speak to them today. Pray that you'll be with them through the remainder of this day. In your precious, holy, mighty name that is above all names, amen.